Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt. And I am Sir Jimmy the Hopeful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club today. We're into some news, actually. This is going to be just a kind of an update episode because uh, not only did we get the trailer, we did a live reaction. We literally watched it once and made a reaction, but we wanted to talk a little bit more about it. Plus, George R. R. Martin has commented on the first few episodes of House of the Dragon and has some really good things to say about it that I think will, you know, pique our interest. And then, Matt, the big one, the big update, uh, the winds of winter. And uh, this one actually might be, we know we've been playing around, you know, acting as if maybe we heard something. But uh, this time, I think a significant update, possibly, from George. There's a positive and a negative interpretation like there is in everything in life. But, Matt, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I am doing good. You know, I picked up an extra shift at work today, and then all this stuff dropped while I was at work. And so I was like, ah, I'm, you know, scrambling, trying to get stuff going. And so as soon as I got home, Jimmy was like, hey, man, let's pop on. So... We literally just sat down and uh, are pressing record here because uh, we, again, we have some news we'll get to here, but I think we're going to start with the trailer and we got a lot of comments on it and we're going to uh, dive through the trailer again a little bit here just to kind of talk about what we, you know, now that we've been able to watch it again and kind of sift through and see what some, what some other people are saying, uh, we're going to kind of do like a little bit more of a breakdown here. Jimmy, so now, so I guess the first thoughts now that we've you know viewed it over the weekend had the weekend to assess it right what are you what are you thinking i mean i feel great about it and now that you know i've gotten the opportunity to kind of sit with it a little bit instead of just doing a live reaction and really just pay attention to the visuals uh and thinking about like where these pieces fit throughout the season i mean it almost feels like a lot of the season is kind of mapped out before us at least the first half i would say um i'm feeling good really good about it yeah, same. It has as we I'm as we're recording right now has 6.3 million views in less than a week on YouTube and I did see HBO said that it like shattered their 24-hour record. So what was the record or what's the new record I should say? Um I have to I have to find it Isn't on Isn't it like 60 million or some madness? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, but they said that it's it's their record. It is it is their HBO's record for most views in in this in a single day span of course then you know uh something else dropped uh and absolutely shattered the internet i think breaking youtube's record uh and that was the grand theft auto 6 announcement day trailer hey it looks great too i know that's not about it but hey we'll talk about it again later because what's coming first grand theft auto 6 or winds of winter so that's a that's a, a good question just a little tease uh for the end of this episode when we get to that george news but here we go. Uh, Going to kind of talk a little bit about the trailer. And I guess we'll maybe just start with some of the comments we got, um, since that sort of it will kind of lead us in, in directions here. Because some of the stuff we were reacting to, you know, like we were like, is there snow? Couldn't tell. Um, so let me get this pulled up here. So uh, on an excitement scale from one to 10, I'm at an 11 and obviously can't wait for season two. Uh, comment here from Penguin502279 saying, I think Allison is talking to Laris because the man is using a cane. Also, there was snow, so it's obviously the north, plus it can't be a burial, burial for Luke since they never found his body. I will say, I think they might still do like a burial for Luke as a just ceremony. Like, an, like a ceremony. Yeah, I guess is what, what I was trying to say. I don't know that they're going to have well, a... 
people were a little confused about what we were reacting to. So there is a scene where people are walking in, in the north and it's snowing. But me and Matt were actually talking about the scene with Helena looking up. And it right. it's hard to tell if she has a veil or if it's <clears> snowing <throat> around her or it's pedal. It, it's just it's a strange shot. And also just like trying to think what it's about. Now, she does seem to have yeah. some issues with her face. We won't spoil anything for Fire and Blood, but like, OK, that's interesting. Um, but I think people yeah. thought we were talking about the the North. this is. Yeah, this is the shot we were talking about about 39 seconds. As you can see here, she's looking up and yeah, her face It's it's still hard to tell because it's like when you freeze frame it, it's it's so fast right and it's you yeah. know like one it's not even like a full second and it's like it almost looks like she has a veil on or something but yeah her face is just sort of scarred up um i think it's just the case but it's just sort of the way it's displayed where it's this like overhead shot staring down at her face mm -hmm. um but that was and then there's there's like particles around and we couldn't see you know exactly what those were so we were saying oh is that is that snow there is a shot however and this is the one everyone's talking about at about 35 seconds in which there is a group of people walking down a path or a road there's trees on the side and you can clearly see mm -hmm. um there is snow here but i do not believe those are the same scenes whatsoever you know whatsoever. yeah not at all no yeah i, I don't think they are either <clears throat> yeah um this is the scene i would imagine of them you know going to winterfell and yeah, yeah so i would i would imagine that 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 is the scene that people were talking about now where's the one of of laris talk of allison talking to somebody with a cane uh it's towards the beginning i believe okay so let me let me zoom zoom we back see rhaenyra mourning obviously mm -hmm. her son uh in the trailer which was you know going to be a big part of motivations for season two <laughs> yeah because there she's talking to Otto. okay oh i see what they're saying so they're saying yeah. here it's just that they just showed auto hightower so you would imagine that's who it is that she's talking to yeah so maybe that so that's what they were saying yeah and there's uh some beheadings in in the trailer that i thought were interesting and the more i think about it i mean at least the Kristen cole one is most likely someone not willing to um bow bend the knee. To Aeg yeah to bend the knee to Aegon, who who seems to be embracing his role in the throne in the trailer seems a lot yeah. more willing yeah absolutely um so continuing on here some other things people are saying the trailer makes this look phenomenal i'm so ready for the dance to begin super happy with the trailer it hit, uh, i think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the scale of the shots slash sets game of thrones always took their opportunities to constantly use the same strats and so and stroll through the same damn garden well i think i do think we'll get a little bit more of that as it goes into the next you know few seasons of this there's also strolled through that garden actually it's, it's um, yeah quite a bit um would love to hear your guys opinion on who rhaenyra is talking to on the beach it looks like sea smoke so maybe adam um or even Lenor valerian too early to tell for adam but I can't imagine who else she might be talking to. Um, some people were commenting saying, looks like the dragon is sea smoke and Adam claims sea smoke. So most likely it's him. 
and so let me pull. That I think it's going to be Adam as well. It's it's the really amazing drawback shot where like you can see the two dragons on this like white sand beach staring at each other. Yeah, yeah. that's towards it's towards the middle end here. It's an extremely uh, fashion. There right. right there. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is most likely Adam taking over for Lanors. Now I he I've heard some people throw up the gripes. Well, hey, Lanor, we know Lanor is alive because we saw it in the season, which is something that was never confirmed in Fire and Blood, but. Um, you know, we end up seeing that he's alive. So the dragon bond can't break as he's still alive. That's not, uh, we don't know anything about dragon bonding. I shouldn't say maybe mm -hmm. we don't know anything, but we certainly don't know enough about it. And, uh, I always quote the in world text of the maester saying those who, you know, say they know about dragon bonding are fools essentially. And, uh, yeah, with yeah I, would I would imagine that to some degree that the dragons, I mean, obviously well, the Targaryens are around for a long time, the dragons, somewhat have to respect the mm -hmm. dragon masters the ones who are you know getting them in their cages and stuff like that i mean we know obviously they kill a ton of people but i would imagine that they still sort of have some level of a bond or respect or you know hey they, this person's gonna feed me like they're still animals and they'll still have that sort of I guess, connection if you want with, with yeah, definitely. There, and, and there is connection, but I think it's just really nebulous. And also we have to remember that the end of season one, uh, dragon goes against Eamon's best wishes and, you know, eats, mm -hmm. <laughs> eats, eats a small boy. So we, we've established the dragons have some sort of agency. So maybe due to, you know, being abandoned or whatever that sea smoke ends up, uh, bonding Adam. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I don't have any problem with it at all. Um, there are not hard set rules in George's world for magic, especially when it comes to dragon bonding. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, OK, let's continue on here. Trey looked great. Uh, let's see here. They said Rook's rest. Rook's rest, excuse me, was the shot where we get the like right at, right around here. Mm -hmm. What they're saying that might be Rook's rest, which I believe Let me. I, I can pull up a map here. Yeah, and a lot of these military shots, I believe, are high tower basically being called arms, right? They called the banners right. and, and they're mobilizing. Yeah, let me find it on a map here. Rook's rest. I believe, yeah, I believe it's into the crown lands on this. On such the... a cool shot, though. Yeah. So I don't know. It could be crown lands, I guess. Um yeah, we'll we'll have to see. It, it is the it is going to be interesting to see the different like the Targaryen banners and stuff like that once we get going and and we get to see those different uh, banners to see exactly like which sides you know. So right here, it's just still we're just looking at like the regular Targaryen banner. So that's going to be something to keep keep in mind. And I don't think we really saw any of that in the trailer except for here's a Targaryen banner, and then we see this High Tower banner. So, okay, continuing on here. Um, are they going to push Aegon? At, uh, are they going to push that Aegon has more of a, like, are they going to push him more as a main character or push him to the back, do you think? Um, it's a good question. I <sighs> Aegon's going to be an interesting character to watch because he was so conflicted in season one. Uh, what I think we're going to see is him probably get more assurance while he sits on the throne and people end up obviously pushing um, their agenda onto him. And he's going to accept it solely for the fact that he is now 
looked upon fondly. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I think I think we'll we get to see him more as a, as a main character too. One because I think the actor who plays him, like you know, looks great. It's it's a it's definitely it's something that's kind of interesting about this character because in the books, you know, in like World of Ice and Fire, we do get like some official artwork of him, and he looks like a in that he looks like a tank. I mean, yeah. he looks in like the official artwork, he looks like he's like you know. 29 years old like shredded out of his mind and like jacked and like ready to wield a war hammer or something and it's like he's supposed to be like 21 yeah i mean and but here i i almost like the boy king more i think it, i do too i think it it sort of sells the idea of him as younger more yeah and and if there's any sympathies to be given to him at all during the show you know it could be you know it could be thrown upon him for the fact that he is kind of a pawn right mm -hmm. <laughs> very much uh almost what tywin tried to do with joffrey right uh mm -hmm. except joffrey was way more of a problem child than Aegon the second seems well i don't know Aegon is kind of bad <laughs> he does a lot of t terrible things but i think joffrey is still worse at least more hateable yeah you know in a way there are kind of in similar they're kind of in yeah. similar positions, to be honest. They, they really are. Because do you think Joffrey knows that his parents are there? Do you, I do don't you think, think he would even give it a second thought, honestly. You I, think I, he I, genuinely I, just believes Robert Baratheon is his dad? Yeah, I don't think he his like narcissistic mindset could allow him to think he's anything less than whatever he's been, you know, called. Right. Joffrey is also younger, much younger than Aegon. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I would say Cersei's a worse mother than Allison. Might be. A oh, 100%. No, 100%, 100%. Again, and that's sort of the thing I think that we talked about a little bit too. Even in just seeing this trailer, one of the things they did in last season, in season one, was they sort of made you feel sympathetic for Allison. Because if you read the books, you're like, she's behind like all this stuff. Kind of and like how history is really written, right? Like history does give us good and bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. But when you watch the show, I think they're doing this more like sympathetic thing where, you know, sh and she's pushed into all of these positions. And a lot of these things aren't necessarily her fault, which I think is a we talked about this a lot during season one. I think is great in terms of storytelling because it makes you sort of feel bad for her and gives you actually a reason to like you know that character um it is is funny there's a you know there's a lot of uh game of thrones subreddits and one of my two of my two of my new favorites are there's one that's entirely based around team black and one that's based entirely about uh team green and they both posted on like the same day after the trailer they were like the block you know and the greens you know <laughs> literally just like they both it was like the exact same thing but just opposite so it's great it's great to see people picking sides you know yeah uh we don't really get too much i mean we might joke around and stuff but i mean there are people who get really entrenched in this thing you know? i know uh it's a little much for me personally <laughs> yeah. i think i think it's a nuanced situation right i might have more sympathies for rhaenyra but i still do have some sort of empathy for allison as well i mean everyone's making mistakes pretty much mm -hmm. at this point in the story and they will continue to make mistakes and try to one each other each other's uh terribleness and then uh, it doesn't go well <laughs> for anybody i know it's it's so much different Th this story too is so much different than the main series because in the main series i mean like i would argue by technicality 
Stannis Baratheon should be king. Like, oh, yeah. I would say by all yeah. technicalities, Stannis is the one who should be legitimately yes. king. Here, there's a legitimate argument for both sides. Because on one hand, you can argue, hey, this council said women aren't allowed to rule. So by all the laws in the land, Rhaenyra is not supposed to do it. Even if the king says, well, I think it, I think it is. You know, mm -hmm. do you listen to the king? It's his law. Then, the, then he dies. Like, so there's a legitimate argument to be said on both sides. And I think that's something that even like seeing this trailer again, I think they're really going to play into. And I think you're really going to be picking sides more so than you, you know, you did in game in Game of Thrones. The best part about Game of Thrones is we didn't know who was going to win in the end. Yeah. And I won't and we're, we're not going to spoil anything for season two or Fire and Blood, but. I would just say, you know, a lot of people are going to come into this season remembering season two, probably being very entrenched with Rhaenyra. And there may be actions early on that make you think about that and wonder if you are truly 100% for, you know, Team Black. I think it's going to go back and forth, which yeah. is going to be cool. I think you're going to be like, all right, I guess maybe I'm on this side. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna... And there's going to be characters that you like on you know, oh, you know, I kind of like this per character. I kind of like I mean, I like Eamon and he's a psycho. exactly I know. I so do I. It's like, man, Eamon's pretty Eamon's pretty hardcore, you know. And then um, you know, sometimes Damon's gonna do something, you're gonna be like, I I don't know if I can still be on, you know, still be on team team Damon anymore. So it's something that's gonna be lots of fun. Yeah, there was a really neat um interview with Ewan Mitchell. Uh, I think mm. that's how you say his name or Awen a Mitchell. And he basically said that like Eamon is one of those people or characters where like he's doing awful things and he clearly has like a lot of problems, but for some reason, like you feel this connection to him. And I would think that that is a pretty fantastic way of describing Eamon's character, at least the way he's portraying it, because I am so, for some reason, very drawn to him uh, in the show. Yeah, no, he's great, especially because he's sort of like Damon's little super fan. You know, I'm just yeah. like a little hat it's like, you know, he's he's team Damon. OK, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, here we go. Another another comment here. What do you guys think of egg on the second's crown? That's meant to be the conquerors. Uh, you know, it looked nothing like his crown when I first saw it in season one, episode nine. I was disappointed. Does it look like the I was disappointed? It does look like the gates of Dragonstone or or King Viserys's old Valyria model, but all the pictures I've seen of Aegon's crown didn't look like that. Uh, thank you for this great video breakdown. It got me psyched for season two. I think it's, um, yeah, with the, the, the design route they went, um, it is interesting because we never saw any, like, like this crown is supposed to be Valyrian steel with rubies in it, although there are sources that George himself wrote where sometimes it gets mixed up. Uh, and then, like when they, when sure. they talk, when they talk about it, like sometimes they say it's steel, as opposed to Valyrian steel with, you know, so it does <clears throat> have some continuity errors, <laughs> but a lot of the artwork of it actually is more of not like here is like, it's like a crown. Like we actually do see some crowns like this later, um, like in some of the, like a fish, I guess, official game of Thrones artwork, um, like the one that Magor or not, uh, yeah, Magor wears, mm -hmm. Or the cruel um, maker, excuse me, uh, King Egg Eggs' dad, King yeah. Maker. His crown actually does look like this, where it's a little more, it's like more pointed and like a legit crown crown. Whereas Egg on the Conquerors is actually really just described as like a band with rubies in it. 
Yeah, you can actually see it uh, if, if folks want to see it. It almost looks like a headband. Oh. Um, yeah. Here, I actually have it up. I, I can actually post it to you for for uh, visuals sake if, if people are watching uh, as opposed to listening. But uh, I, but for those who are listening, I mean, it's literally like a chain of rubies around his head. It looks like a Nike headband you'd see in a Gucci main video or something. It's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. So, yeah, so this is what his crown is described as, which is this sort of like, you know, it's a band with rubies in it. And a lot of the official artwork shows it as that. And let me pull up the other crown I'm, I'm talking about, which is King Maker. I mean, I really like this one because it's so unconventional compared to like when we think of the crowns in our history. I feel like this is just so different uh, than anything that we've seen. Yeah. Um, so let me get this up here. This is what happens when you when when you uh, use multiple web browsers, you know, because <laughs> I use like Chrome and Safari. And so so this is Kingmaker, which is Aegon the fifth's dad. Um, and his crown sort of has a lot is there's more other images and stuff, but it's always sort of this. It's kind of similar. There's like a lot of pointed and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know about the, about the crown. Uh, I think I think it look, I think it looks kind of cool. I like I like the different design on it. Yeah, I, I I think you know them going with anything that that they feel will be more significant for people to recognize <clears throat> is totally fine. Let's see. We had another comment here. I'm I think I'm the only person who doesn't like House of the Dragon. I'm not sorry after Game of Thrones BS ending. They got to do way better than a drab modernistic preachy show about gender roles. I mean, this person has brain rot. I'm, <laughs> if I'm, I'm being honest, I'm genuinely, I'm sort of confused. I, uh, I, I, so, I mean, Hey, if you know, I always try to share a negative comment, um, you know, or two just to make it because those people deserve, I want to give people, I want to give the negative comments too. So, so people can, it would just be awesome if they made sense. Yeah. That one, that one doesn't make sense to me. Um, guys, it was snowing in that scene. That was the North, which is the most like comment on our video. So apparently we, we messed up. Yes, it is snowing. We were talking about different scenes. We addressed that. So, um, okay. So any other thoughts really on the trailer, Jimmy? No, I just, just a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, this, uh, the, like we've already talked about the visuals in our live trailer reaction, but just seeing how the season's going to map out, uh, you can kind of start to piece it together. Um, a good bit, at least, like I said, the first half of it. And uh, one of the most iconic scenes that will ever happen in the show is actually also hinted at in, in the trailer, which we'll, uh, we'll let you see if you can figure it out. But um, overall, very exciting, very exciting stuff. Yeah, I mean, looking at the comments, too, like the, I remember the comment section for the for the first. If you go back to the comment section, uh, maybe we, maybe I try to pull that up too. the comment section for House of the Dragon season one. Do you remember what the comments were on Twitter and everything, Jimmy? Before the show came out. We've already seen this. We don't want it. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, you can't <laughs> fix season eight. Oh, season eight ruined Game of Thrones forever. Ooh, you know, that was literally, that was literally all of the comments. Let me read all of the comments here. This is on this is from the original. Uh, you know, thing. Absolute chills. I love how deep they're going into this. Imagine being a soldier on the battlefield. Literally chills. Can't wait. This is the show we need. You know, like this is what I just want to, I just want to, you know, point some of these somehow because this is what Jimmy and I said before season, yeah. before season one of House of the Dragon, we said all these haters of game or like Game of Thrones season eight 
I said, nope. I said, if the next show comes out and it's great, Avril, it's going to be like, let's go. Yeah. And and also, I think we were taking a stance of like, OK, what were the problems in season eight? Those things that happened that were negative were removed and all the good people returned. It's like, why wouldn't this be good? There's, there's I no think reason this, why it couldn't be. We looked at the directors for this next for this next oh, season. Man. And man, it seems like they're pulling all the stops out because they went like, you know, they're pulling out like the big name, big directors for I mean, make no mistake, this is HBO's biggest show. It's, yeah, it's, it's not really close. I mean, Secession wrapped up, but Secession, even in numbers, was not as big as Game of Thrones uh, or House mm -hmm. of the Dragon. I mean, and that's not a diss to Secession because I think it's a fabulous show, but I'm just talking about raw popularity. They don't have anything else that yeah. is this big. They're going to dump everything they have into it. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I didn't get to talk about uh, when we did our reaction here is just a little bit, too. I think we have to I think you you know, I always look at like the business. I'm always setting like the business side of a lot of these things. And, you know, when you go back and you look at House of the Dragon season one, I mean, we loved it. It was great. But it was it came out at a time in which like HBO was essentially being sold. Right. It was part oh, yeah, of Warner Brothers. Were and you were going from a company trying to balance its budget sheet to make that sale look as great as possible to. Warner Brothers Discovery, you know, as it became Warner Brothers Discovery, and they've had a really rocky start uh, <laughs> as a as a oh, new company. Dragon might be their only positive, actually. <laughs> right, it's literally like Game of Thrones and Barbie are literally the only things going for this company. And then Dune, uh, when Dune two uh, comes yeah. out, Dune two. But I will say, you know, at, at the the prod the thing they need to still figure out is like DC. Okay, like they're still working on that, but I would I think they're on the right path with that side mm -hmm. of the with that side of the company now and hitting and hiring James Gunn and stuff like that. But they they did keep saying, to be fair, like it takes time, like you got to do this stuff. But the, the side of the company that's crushing it is still HBO. I mean, it's still like when you go look at the Emmys, God. it sweeps the Emmys like it's not even close. I mean, it's not and it's not just Game of Thrones. It's every show. If anything, House of the Dragon season one underperformed. Yeah, I actually would, I would agree with that. It, it was definitely uh, a lot of really monumental shows were coming to closes, like Better, yeah, like Call, Better Saul, Call Saul, The Session. Uh, I think Barry was on there, though. I don't think it's over yeah. yet. Uh, th There's a lot of really good stuff that was coming to a close. I think season two with House of the Dragon, especially with the more linear, like tight narrative, has a really good opportunity uh, to, you know, have a ma major impact at the Emmys, though I will forever be upset that Patty did not win an Emmy. Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, uh, I mean, you look at some of the other some of the other just big HBO shows. I mean, because, you know, House of the Dragon is we look at it as Game of Thrones fans, but you, you want to look at the business side of it. I mean, it is a piece of the HBO puzzle. I mean, you're going to go from like that to the, the Last of Us season two, which, by the way, is going to upset everyone who watches it. If you haven't, if you're not familiar with the story, just a little spoiler warning, because the the game fans did not like the ending of that whatsoever. But uh, yeah, I think House of the Dragon is also probably going to sweep the Emmys next year. The only sh I'm trying to even think of other shows because I don't think like Stranger Things is I think it's like 2025 as well. Yeah. So I can't think of other big dramas that are coming out next year. So I expect it to kind of probably sweep the Emmys next year. Yeah, we might only be competing with Dunkin' Egg after that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm <laughs> Trying to think, trying to think of other dramas that are even coming out next year for it to go. I mean, as I think it's at center stage right now. Like it truly is at yeah. center stage. I think House of the Dragon season one kind of had to elbow its way onto the the purview of people who who watch a lot of television. 
but it, it will definitely be must see TV week to week, especially with all the uh, action that's coming out, which, you know, I'm a big fan of the of the quieter episodes. I've always have mm-hmm. been, but I think it's obvious that the general population really loves the spectacles uh, that we get, like the Battle of the Bastards logistically makes absolutely no sense. But is it one of the best episodes of Game of Thrones ever? Yes. It is amazing. It's oh, it's fantastic. It's yeah. oh, it's it's fantastic. The battle the battle at Winterfell. I the long night. I to me it's still it's it's we're on our hell by ourselves on this one. I don't care, but it, I mean just if you just view it as like a hey, this is just a big battle like you want to watch it, a big fantasy battle. It's amazing. I, mean, I it's, thought I thought it was dope. I mean there's there's definitely plot armor. More people should have died. Oh, for sure. And, oh, for sure. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. The fallout of it. There's a lot of stuff, but as a spectacle, right. the battle of Winterfell was phenomenal. In my opinion, yeah. I know everyone's was, gonna say they couldn't see it, but I, I didn't have any trouble on myself. I, you know, I've actually watched it both ways. I have watched it um, in its original format, and I have watched it like cranking the brightness up. And I actually, I do not like it watching with the brightness up. I had no lead, so I was fortunate. It's calibrated, so I didn't have any issues. But like, yeah. I do know people that you know that was close with that were like, yeah, I legit couldn't see anything. And I'm like, that sucks because like I saw it yeah. all. It was dope. <laughs> yeah because i've watched i've watched it i've watched it on on many i've watched it on multiple different like screens and stuff like that and yeah and i i didn't really i don't really have a problem with it either way but yeah okay well um let's dive into some of the other news the big news yeah so george uh george went to london and had a little time by the way he hung out with uh catlin stark the actress who plays catlin stark and he hung out with uh macy williams who played Arya stark i thought it was just so cool that he like made sure to go see them um, yeah, characters just, who could potentially appear in a future snow series. Yeah. Ooh. Oh my god. Oh my god. Just saying. <laughs> you think Lady Stoneheart they would they would pull her out? He really wanted to do it. I mean, all right. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I just I, I as a fan, I found it endearing that these people would want to see George. I thought that that was, you know, that's just me being a George fan. I think. Um, yeah. The first piece of news that drops at the beginning of this, though, and I, I wanted to highlight this. Uh, he went and saw The Ocean at the End of the Lane, which is a Neil Gaiman book, and it's adapted for stage. And he said, and since we are talking theater, one of the meetings I had in London was with Dominic and Duncan, the director and scriptwriter of our own stage play, the one we've been working on for the past few years. Originally, we were calling it Heron Hall, but we have now settled on The Iron Throne as the title until we think of something better. Regardless, things are coming well, I think, and we are hopeful to be able to open in late 2024, maybe. But you never know. There's still a lot of work to be done. If if this were to open in late 2020, even early 2025, that'd be insane. Uh, but folks, we last episode, we were just talking about the Night of Lavatory and Turning Heron Hall. This is mm-hmm. the play where George is going to give answers. He's He said this is going to tell the real story of the Turning of Heron Hall. This could be I... humongous. I know. I'm so down. I'm you and I are going to go like fly to see it. Oh, the, if it's in London, you know. I'm I'm there. It's happening. I'm, I'm, oh, I don't know about London. I <laughs> yeah, it's the United Kingdom. you're out. Okay. <laughs> That's a yeah, podcast. <laughs> maybe I can get there by boat. I mean, I can take a, well, I don't know, man. There's Titanic. Listen, to, I can't. I'm a history. You can't. I ain't taking a boat over there either. <laughs> We're going to have to figure some way to get me over there. But yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, that's from earlier for people who are just going to be watching this as a YouTube video. I had a terrible experience with British Airways once anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, thoughts on it being a play. I still have always gone back and forth about this as a play, 
where it's like, God, man, this would make such an amazing like series, you know, it would make a, it would be like the alt thing. But you know what I think George is going for here? I think he's going for his EGOT. All right. Cause a play is like the best way to get that. Cause he's already got Emmys. Does he have, does he, he doesn't have, well, an he, Oscar, does he? he loves working on stage productions. Uh, he actually worked on a stage production of beauty and the beast with Roy Detroit, who is the guy mm -hmm. who did the audio books for a song of ice and fire. That's how him and Roy became best friends. So I think he just wants to tell a story in that medium. I think he's just like chomping at the bit. Plus he's a huge fan of Shakespeare. Uh, he, uh, that, that's kind of obvious whenever you read a song of ice and fire, but, uh, I think, I think he just wants to express himself in another way. I, I love this idea personally. I think it's the, a great story for the stage even. Yeah. Cause obviously he has a, he has, he has, a, he has Emmys, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but if you write a play that wins a Tony, then he's only two away and it's easy. Cause then you just make a movie and a game of Thrones movie could totally win. It could totally win an Oscar. And then you just need one song to get a Grammy and you're in. And then you're the exclusive EGOT winners. That's like, it's like, <laughs> I think only like how many, I think only like 10 people have ever even done it. It's like ultra rare. I would love that for George. I would also like him just to write the books. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean that too. Yeah. EGOT winners. There's been like 12. Yeah, that's it. Well, maybe it's, George will be the unlucky 13th. <laughs> yeah, could be Could So, OK, so he continues on here in his uh, blog post here. He talked about that. He said, I also found a little time to meet with my British publisher and my other British publisher to talk wild cards and a song of ice and fire. And of course, the winds of winter. Yes, this piece of news is is making waves right now online met, met with a British publisher for the winds of winter. And the reason why this is significant is because a lot of the times uh, books will actually release in, in, uh, in Britain first. Um, I see this all the time happen with a lot of my favorite authors. Now, do I think winds of winter would drop there before America? Probably not, but they may have more parameters to get things rolling sooner. Uh, this, this is significant. Uh, this is not a routine thing where it's like George has to check in with the publishers every year or anything like that. This is a, a specific conversation. And I do know that, you know, obviously it says wild cards and song of ice and fire. And of course the winds of winter and people feel like maybe that is tacked on, but I believe that he saved the best for last year and wild cards is, is kind of a whole nother project and, and with mm -hmm. his publisher. So he's going to have to talk about these things. He's on contract for them. But these are three contracted things. I mean, Song of Ice and Fire and Winds of Winter are pretty much like fairly similar, right? I imagine the Song of Ice and Fire is probably more like table, you know, uh, coffee table books. But if he is talking about the publisher about the Winds of Winter, this is like, what? what is that conversation he's having, right? Like, what is that? Is it as simple as them going, hey, how's Winds? And he goes, not good. Maybe, but why Could mention be. that in a, in a update? Yeah, it's very interesting because first he says, and a song and a song of ice and fire, because there is a book he does have coming out, which is his, the 
that it's like a Game of Thrones cookbook, which he actually in another post revealed stuff from, and it's literally like the same one. Yeah, it's, it's like, but it's like now a Game of Thrones one, as opposed to like yeah. a cookbook of Ice and Fire or whatever, Feast of Ice and Fire. Um, but so he also says a Song of Ice and Fire. So the only book we know outside of the Winds of Winter, if he's including that as something else, is the Fireflight second two. part, Fire and Blood Part Two, which I would imagine would also get a like Rise of the Dragon, um, thing. Remember which. Which is which actually is fire and blood, but it's in that world of ice and fire big book uh, format. So I would imagine that he's probably talking about that as well. So Duncan Egg novellas. I mean, that that really leaves the door open for many a thing. But mm -hmm. the Winds of Winter is mentioned by like, he could have kept that in a song of ice and fire, but he specifically included at the end, of course, the Winds of Winter. Talking he also, to his publisher. I mean, this is a this is significant. So he continues in the next line here, and he says, "And of course, of course, I spent three days with House of the, you know, with House of the Dragon. Uh, he got to see a studio where House of the Dragon is being shot." He said, "I originally planned to go months ago, but of course, there was the writer's strike, and instead, I stayed in Santa Fe working on the Winds of Winter." And then he sort of goes on a little bit too, and he talks about, you know, I was able to visit game of thrones sets and and things like that he all and then there's more we'll get to it too where he talks about the third and fourth season of house of the dragon uh mm -hmm. which is crazy because they said there might only be three now it's sort of confirmed potentially that we are getting four i would imagine with the success of it i don't know that you could do five no, we talking no, about that. No, no. Four, four, like four might four be minutes. a four six four to six episode yeah so, I mean, that's kind of a big deal, too, because we they had said previously it might only be three seasons, which to me it was like, OK, I can see it in three. Um, mm -hmm. We were nervous of like how there's no way you could stretch this to like five or six. It's just not no, there's just, no, not, no, there's no just not, not enough content. If anything, season one actually is a lot of the stretching uh, of mm -hmm. like of filling space. So, yeah, I mean, he brings up again. I was working on wins, right? Well, here's so, the interesting thing. We covered that fact that he was on that interview with Bernard Cornwell. Uh, what was it? Two or three weeks ago. And he said, I'm working on the winds of winter. I have a hundred pages left. And we said, well, he meant to say hundreds. Maybe he, but what if he really meant hundred, a hundred. Yeah. What if he really meant a hundred because he did. If you look at the, uh, the close captioning, he says a hundred. Yeah. So if it is a hundred, then we're not far off. I mean, no, we're cooking with gas, man. Like, right. And even that, even then, him speaking to his publisher about it, because I, I guarantee you, the publisher asks George about every six months if he's done, and he just leaves it on red. He's like, I'm not, I'm not responding to these people. Right. I'm sure. And for him to go and fly to London, and and also just a lot of things happening right here, right? Like going and meet with the playwrights, going, going, and then meeting uh, his publisher. Like there's, there, this was a business trip for sure with oh, a lot of aspects, but it seems like it's kind of centered around uh, this small two line winds of winter update. If anything, well, I think it makes me hopeful. Well, you know, there, there might be a little pressure on him to finish now because George has a, George has actually a chance here to write a wrong that he, yeah. or certainly something he doesn't feel bad about because if I'm if I'm George and I'm I'm sitting there, you know, like the books, you know, obviously we we want them and everything, but like the show came and went, right? Mm -hmm. The the show came and went. I think Duncan Egg is gonna be huge. 
I think Dunkin' Egg might be bigger than House of the Dragon, and I think it has a shot to be... I mean, it's hard to say something could be as big as a Game of Thrones, but for it'll be like a new generation, really, when that when that show comes out, because it'll be 2025 will be, you know, what, seven years removed, right? Yeah. Um, 20. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking a good amount of time in, in between there. And maybe he doesn't want Duncan Egg to do go the same way that Game of Thrones went where he still has to finish those books and those are shorter. So very good point. You know, I mean, let's say, let's say Duncan egg gets its three seasons, which would take us up to the end. I mean, there, thankfully there is some content in the back that we'd like, we know how the story is going to kind of end, but we still don't really have a lot of that middle stuff. So with that, you're talking, let's say 2025 is season one, 2027, 2029 would be season three. And then you'd be out of content and George is not getting any younger. Uh, like he might not even live that long. Uh, I mean, you know, knock on wood, obviously, we, you know, but I mean, he's in his seventies. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, you, you are right. And the fact that part of this update was a song of ice and fire that absolutely could include the, some Duncan, uh, Duncan, Duncan egg novellas. Yeah. I've never, I don't know if I've ever been like since a dance of dragons. I don't know if I've been this excited, uh, for, for like book stuff. Like this is I, to me, it was when he, it was during COVID when he gave the huge update and he like sort of outlined, like I worked on this chapter and this chapter and this chapter and was like, Whoa. Cause that was like, yeah, the biggest real. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Felt very real. I, I I think this is all encouraging stuff and, and for him to open up a dialogue willingly with the publisher and be there in person. This isn't a phone call or an email. This is him going in person. I don't know. It just kind of feels like a big deal to me. Yeah, I don't think he'd I don't think he'd go there. I mean, obviously he went <clears throat> it. Maybe it was because he went to see the House of the Dragon set and is like, hey, I'm over there. Like, I'll go have a meeting with them, too. But it almost feels more so like he went. To go do that, right? Because he would have been there for the House of the Dragon, like party, like season two mm -hmm. rap party. Yeah. It, it's interesting at the very least. Right. And we could either take it as a negative thing where it's like, oh, he mentioned the winds of winter to them in a sentence and they said, OK, cool. Or we could be positive about it and say, hey, this might be an indicator of that. We're closer than we thought. Um, it doesn't cost us money either way to do so. So I'm going to go with today. Today, I'm going to go with being positive. I think this is a good sign. And I'll tell you what, 100% is a good sign. All the stuff he said about House of the Dragon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue on here, too, because so he did talk about that. The fact that he said they're talking three and four, which we talked a little bit. It says these were lively, fun discussions and we got some good work done. Those two days, though, two days was not nearly enough. There's so much ground to cover. I'm not sure 20 days uh, would have been enough. And here he is in front of a heart tree, you know, just cool, cool photo. The highlight of the trip had to be the sneak preview that Ryan gave me the first two episodes of House of the Dragon season two. Rough cuts, of course. Of course, I'm hardly objective when talking about anything based on my own work, but I have to say, I thought both episodes were just great. Even if they aren't finished yet, dark, mind you, very dark. They may make you cry. I did not cry myself, but one of my friends did. Powerful, emotional, gut-wrenching, heart rendering just the sort of thing i like what can i say i was weaned on space here so i mean um you know you can mark this next territory as spoilers so if you want to click off 
not listen because yeah, we are going to spoil we're going to and season two. And yeah, so because we, they, they, I think we need to go into spoiler territory, but I do want to give people a chance. We are going to talk about spoilers for a second. Mute, whatever you want to do. Um, because you and I have talked a little bit about this, but we haven't, we've been kind of per- spoiler protectory, you know, mm-hmm. we've been protecting the spoilers. Um, so now let's, let's dive into it here. Blood and cheese, man. How do we think it's going down? I mean, we see a clip of it in the trailer. We literally see Helena with her head like back and what I presume to be one of the men doing the deed. Um, man, uh, also the I scars think- on Helena's face in the trailer are from blood and cheese, I think. I think blood and cheese is going to be worse than the red wedding. I could see it that way because it's involving. Cause children. it's going to, it's going to open a season to me. Blood and cheese might be one of the most brutal and hardcore, like just pain. Like it's, ah, man, here's it's a question. Like, it's, here's a question. To me, it, to me, it might literally be the hardest like thing to read and it be go ahead with your question. Yeah. Well, no, no. I was going to ask you, though, do you feel like audiences nowadays are a little bit more desensitized to these things? Because not just because of the Red Wedding being done, but then people trying to imitate it in television and other media. But then also on the fact that social media shows us terrible things happening every single day. Do you feel like maybe it'll have a little bit of a lesser impact? No, I don't. The question is going to be, though, like. It's at the end of the day, like Game of Thrones is is are obviously like R rated, and but there's still kind of a thing we just don't see very often in any media, which is like like killing of kids. Yeah, I mean it's like it's still even in like the most gruesome stuff, it's pretty rare that you get something where you would show like a little kid's like throat getting slit or yeah. something. So I. We talk. I've talked about this with this scene, and I, I think dramatically you have a really like, where's the camera angle gonna be on it? I would imagine the way I would do it, and I think to give it like the most powerful effect is I would make I would have the camera on Helena's face, right? Mm-hmm. And I would have like you see the shadow of it going down. Cause remember the whole deal is they ask like, which son do you want to die? And then they kill the other one. Right. Yeah. So then it's like, so she's left with this possible and they've really built her up to be this sort of like sweet character that, you know, she doesn't want anything to do with war. Like she's just like a happy go luck, you know, kind of, I mean, character. it's the fact that and, she, bro, she picks the youngest one. I know, but he kills the oldest one. Like that is, she, they basically killed them both. They might as well kill them both. It's going to be brutal. Whew. Rough, maybe man. because maybe because the older one, but he's still, I, I guess we, we haven't seen, I'd have to go back and look to see if, if we, did we see them in season one? Like as little kids running around. Uh, yeah, I think so. Or, or at least I, from, from what I remember, she gives birth towards the end of the season. I I, I had to rewatch. I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, because it's still like they're both like pretty young. I mean, it's not like they're like teenagers or something. And of oh, course, no, there has yeah. to, like, no time. No time takes place in between. Like how we're done with the time skips. Yeah. Maylor is is young, like very young, because one of the reasons why people think she chose Maylor is because maybe he would be too young to understand what's happening. 
Right. I mean, like, like if, in Game of Thrones, like if Rickon were like, if you went by the actual book ages, Rickon would be like three getting shot. Yeah, getting we don't, shot. <laughs> we don't see that. Right. So by the time we actually see Rickon, because of the way, you know, it takes like seasons and seasons, he is like 12 when he gets shot. Never right. So it's safe. totally, totally, totally different. And even yeah. that is still totally, even if, even if they had done it to like a three-year-old or something, like it's still like getting shot with an arrow is totally different than like getting your like throat decapitated in front of your own mother. It's so, it gets so personal too, which is the, which is good. I think it's, I think it's going to be more brutal than the red wedding. Cause I, the red wedding is still war. And it's like, and it's like, it's like pure chaos. Cause everything's happening at once. Well, one of and the like, things about the show that made a red wedding so much more brutal, a little bit more drama is the fact that Rob's uh, wife was pregnant. Right. Right. And they stab her in the stomach. It's pretty, right. pretty, pretty horrible, which does not happen in the books. Yeah. Honestly, I, I like, I, I, it's one of the many examples of where the show really went like full tilt over the, over the edge, you know, where, and then it's funny because people say that that stuff's in the book and it's like, you obviously didn't read because it's not right. there. <laughs> it's literally not there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Some, yeah. So, some of it is, but no, yeah, not the, not the pregnancy. Uh, well, uh, and she's also not killed right in the book. So I actually do think she might be pregnant, uh, in the books. Should be clear. Be. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know that we don't know if she's pregnant or not. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's one of the theories I like, but she's not murdered because she was, her mom used her as a pawn essentially, but well, anyway, they, they just, they just made, yeah, they just turned into a random character in the, in the show. Yeah. And she, you know, it, it didn't follow any of the Lannister like lineage nope. or any of that stuff, but regardless, um, I, I mean, it certainly has a chance to be the darkest moment in game of Thrones television history. Yeah. Which is crazy to say it's it, well. And it's also just going to depend on how they execute it, man. Like it has to be done. Well, I, I think it will be, but I'm just saying like it, it this isn't, is this going to be like an artistic expression of, of grief and treachery and of despair and like the way that they end up doing it and telling that story will tell us how memorable it will be or how shocking or upsetting or, or whatnot. Right. Cause there's a million ways you could do it. Yeah. Woo. It's going to be brutal. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and for George to talk about it like that, because mm -hmm. normally like George jokes about the red wedding sometimes like, Oh, you know, I guess, you know, I don't, I don't do well going to weddings, you know, and stuff like that. Like even you can tell here, he's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's like so that should be the ultimate signifier that this is might be the most like like hbo's pro, hbo might get like you know roasted on oh there's gonna be uproar there's no yeah. doubt yeah <laughs> yeah but they're 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 going with it and, and yeah. then from that point it's just pure you know gasoline on the fire and we can expect escalations from there yeah Okay, well, uh, he finishes out his blog post saying, "Hey, I, I'm back. I'm back at work, and there's so much work to be done." I mean, what a busy man! Goes to London, meets with the thing, you know, about a play, meets with his publisher, goes to the set of this world he created. You know what I mean? Like he does a lot. Yeah, I would imagine. I think the best. I if so, if you look at some of these projects he has coming out, I would say Fire and Blood Part Two. If ish. I would say it coming out end of 2024, right? Mm -hmm. To go along with that play and before Duncan Egg would be the best time for that 
to come out. I think you could hike the play a little bit because we'd get some of the Heron Hall. Because if he's going to expand on Heron Hall with this play, I that's because other than that, I mean, Fire and Blood really just pulls from every. He, there wasn't really that much added to Fire and Blood yeah. of content that didn't already exist in the World of Ice and Fire and the um, novellas that he had already written, like the Princess and the Queen and stuff. Like, I mean, some of it's literally like if you read the Aegon's Conquest chapter in Fire and Blood and you read Aegon's Conquest in World of Ice and Fire, it's literally the exact same thing. Yeah, so, a, lot, a lot of rehash material. Yeah. So like half of Fire and Blood Part 2 is already written. And right? I believe he, he had help with it, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember if he was the sole author on that or if Ilio and Linda had helped him out. Um, but he certainly could use some of his assistance. And if you, with Fire and Blood Part 2, you could actually because you're just outlining stuff, you could sort of outline and give us more Dunkin' Egg stuff because that's actually probably going to be a pretty big part of it. And you could kind of put yourself in a position to be a little more done with that. So maybe that's what was he, maybe he was talking a little bit about Dunkin' Egg when he said and a song of ice and fire. Yeah, and and it, it's a huge opportunity. It really is. And I know a lot of people say, no, once you finish wins, go work on a dream of spring. And I agree, but at the same time, I'm not going to I think that would be wishful thinking to to think he's going to dive right into book seven. And I, I don't know. I, I, I'm a I'm a still a big believer that book seven is going to take way less time. Well, also, let's let's just put it. What, what, he, and they've there. also theorized that he's that book that one of the one of the books is already done. And when he's talking about wins, he's actually talking about Dream of Spring. I don't buy that one. I don't I don't that, buy that, that he's going to be like, oh, yeah, by the way, I actually finished. I've. I, like they're both done. It, it, I would love for that to be the case, but I don't believe it at all. I will say this though. What if he meant for his publisher to talk about splitting wins into two books? I'd be fine with it. Cause we talked about that. We said, you know, and he mentioned in the last blog post, the one before this, where he's like, maybe I should have written, or maybe it was an interview either way. He said, maybe I should have written smaller books. Like maybe I should have made them smaller. And we said, we said, yeah, George, just make them smaller, like split them in half, give a nice little resolution and you're going to get more. You know, of course I, think, break. I think, I think you could, I, I mean, if it ends up being eight or you just want to call it part one, part two, I mean, it, cause it sounds like he's already there. It sounds I mean, like he he's actually, pushing... it sounds like he's past the halfway point of wins. Yeah, and he is definitely pushing the limits of binding at some point. I mean, Brandon Sanderson published uh, like a 1300 page mass market paperback, so anything's possible. Um, right. But there is a point I, where you I have say to just split them. I say just I say just turn it into eight books. I like no one's going to care. Like no oh, one's going to care. Yeah. No one is going to care. The, the seven is just sort of like a nice number as opposed to eight. And so was know? three when he said that. And so was five when he said that. <laughs> you know, it's like right. whatever it's you need to things... be, bro. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like the odd numbers are great until you hit seven, and then it's kind of like nine, yeah, nine. Is, nine is weird. Ten, okay, you know, but yeah, it's like ten is better than nine. I believe the ten is actually series. better. Ten is actually better than eight. Like I think the, the expand series is nine books, which is weird. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, just yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just split it up. I mean, there's nobody's gonna like because Feast is a, is the smallest book, and it's still a great book. So just split it. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else, Jimmy? I know this is kind of a trailer breakdown, some news. We were going to do the outline, but I think we'll save that. Maybe we can do that next week. The out, the feast 
outline. It's kind of the holiday season, so we're kind of just filling the month of December anyway. With, with well, we're just getting a lot of news, dude. Like, there's a lot of stuff happening. That's and we get another way you do it. Yeah. Yeah, you got the House of the Dragon trailer. Then you get a George blog post where he's talking about the publisher and wins. I mean, I just haven't been this positive in a long time. It feels like ever since House of the Dragon season one, we've just been getting news. And it feels mm -hmm. great, man. Mm-hmm. You know, one day these these times are going to be behind us. We're eventually going to get yeah. wins. And then eventually, you know, we're going to grow older and, and George won't be around. You know, like I cherish these episodes and yeah. these moments where we, we hear from him. It's great. Yeah. Real. Uh, I, here's a, here's a serious question for you. And this is total. There's nothing said on this whatsoever, except. OK. OK. So tomorrow is the Game Awards. OK. Oh, we're recording this on Wednesday. I'll release this later today. So there's, of course, no news on any sort of Game of Thrones <laughs> video video game whatsoever. There's yeah. nothing that exists ever. However, more and more and more, there is talk about DC video games. And Warner Brothers has been saying a lot more about, like, we want, with the success of Hogwarts Legacy and, and like, the Mortal Kombat franchise, which they have, um, they have been saying much more, we want our big franchises to have video games please god <laughs> please i mean this is like a this is like a you know five maybe like a one percent chance any chance tomorrow's kind of like you know it's basically the two big times of the year for video game drops are like the game awards and like the well e3 doesn't really exist anymore but like that, that june week. july yeah that week any chance we hear uh, of the game of thrones video game Tomorrow. I mean, they're fools for not. And and to be clear, they've made games, but we we've talked about them before on the, on the podcast. Uh, there is an opportunity there. I I don't understand why they don't do it. The only thing that can strike me is that they look at demographics of video gamers and they see that teenage age, and those people probably are not Game of Thrones fans, whereas they will most certainly are Harry Potter fans. And I think that might keep them back. But I would hope that it wouldn't be like House of the Dragon themed, or even. Like, it just needs to be Westeros, right? Like, just give me Westeros. Let me go ride horse. Give me Red Dead Redemption 2, but in Westeros. That's all I'm asking for. Shadow of Shadow of Mordor, you know. Anything. Uh, yeah. Just set it set it beyond the wall. And it's about, a, it's, about, it's about a wildling camp, and you're, you have to fight White Walkers or something. Could you imagine riding through the river? And they're, and they're, like, they're like a group of wildlings. This would be cool, actually. Make it about a group of wildlings who find out that Dragonglass actually hurts night White Walkers, and then they're the ones like they all die in the end, but they're the ones that actually leave the Dragonglass that Jon Snow finds. Kind of cool. That'd be a sick story, and it'd just be a fun little thing, and you'd be like, "Wow!" There's like, you know what I mean? Like, it could just be like one little piece of the puzzle. I see it as an open world game, though. Like that that that's what yeah, I yeah. always think of it as. Like, yeah, has to I be. don't. I don't know if like a, a straight linear story is the way because they did that Game of Thrones RPG, which did have a good story, but like it still just felt like we know well, the you can make it so well. well. You can make it open world, but you make the main quest like the last thing you have to finish. Yeah, that'd be I mean, they could just make me play through the show and I'd be happy. <laughs> I mean, I, I uh, as as someone who loves RPGs, let's hope. Same. Let's cross Same. our fingers for the long shot. I feel like George would have teased it, though. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. There's been nothing. There's been nothing. I'm just saying. <laughs> I always hold it. You know, Put it out in the universe. You never know. Hey, we as video game fans, we had set at E3 for literally over a decade being like, you know, the one thing that broke the internet was the Final Fantasy VII remake. And then we finally got it. And it was like, whoa. You know, so you never know. Yeah, it feels like a Game of Thrones game is most likely inevitable, but 
maybe I'm being optimistic. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, guys, uh, we will be back next week because there was some other news we that we were going to do this week, but we had to push it back, which was the Feast for Crows original outline. Yeah. So it's just like <laughs> a news a month, man. I mean, just got to get through it all. So yeah. with that, I hope you guys are having a good holiday season, by the way, as well. And we'll be back with that next week. So as always, remember that winter is coming. Mm-hmm.